hi everyone today's episode is gonna be one for the books or i guess one for the podcasts um we're speaking with amir kaligi who is a men's embodiment teacher he's been doing this work for over 25 years which is massively impressive he is the founder of embodiedmasculine.com a movement dedicated to training and empowering men to live purpose-driven lives he is a men's coach speaker teacher and artiste he is also the founder of BelovedPoetry.com, an online space dedicated to sharing the works of such masters of love as Rumi, Hafiz, Kabir, Neruda, and others. And I was really delighted to speak to Amir. He comes from the same circle of the feminine and masculine work that I come from with John Wineland, Kendra Kunov, and Jamie Woolrab, and London Angel Winters, and Justin Patrick Pierce, like all these amazing people. And it's really just a delight to be able to come back to these conversations with a new lens, with a deeper perspective, with a uh, slightly different topic. And today's topic, we're going to be talking about the four archetypes of the masculine, which you will discover and hear more about the king, warrior, magician, and lover, as well as why we are working towards creating a world where the masculine is in awe of the feminine and all that she brings and all that she is. The feminine within him, the feminine in Mother Earth, the feminine within woman the feminine within all of life and why awe is the new path, the path of healing rather than destruction and fear, which is what's been going on on our, our planet. We've seen it very clearly with the Amazon fires and Amir ties in that um, very recent tragedy into this podcast. So you'll hear about that in this episode. And I also want to encourage you right from the get-go to include people in your life that are important to you in this podcast listening experience, maybe send it to a friend or a masculine figure that is doing embodiment work. Expose them to Amir's work by sharing this podcast with them. Send it to your dad. Send it to your ex-lover who you're still on good terms with or your current lover or your brother or a cousin or a, or a feminine being who's wanting to understand and have more compassion for the masculine or make sense of the different energies she's been feeling coming at her from the world. This is just work that's really great for all of us to understand and to dive deeper into, especially us feminine creatures as we go deeper into our feminine. It only makes energetic, quote, sense for us to be going deeper into our masculine as well. Today's review of the week comes from, from Misty1B and... Misty1B says, earthy and relatable with five stars. Talented host, interesting guests, and subject matter with depth. The best in the personal development genre. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, Misty. Oh, got shivers up and down my spine reading that. Oh, oh, I feel the love. Like, literally, I just felt shivers up and down my spine. So thank you for this really, really sweet thing to say. Today is October 16th. The only announcements that are really relevant to share today, one, the Feminine Spirit School is coming up. The doors will be opening October 24th. That's very soon. Uh, five days of the early bird price, which is $12.50. And then um, a few days of the regular price, which is $1,500. And then we begin November 4th. This is the best way to go deep into the feminine and the masculine within your own body 
and feel sisterhood. It is a way you can feel like you are working with me one-on-one because it's, it's, I'm in your ear. Everything is um, on an MP3 or audio-based and there is journaling exercises. There are a lot of tools in this one. Tools that I have spent thousands and tens of thousands of dollars, if not like a hundred thousand dollars of learning into this course of going into your shadow, the inner child, ancestral healing, embodiment, pleasure as a feminine creature, relationships, heartbreak, so many different powerful aspects that most of us are trying to cultivate and learn when we say we're going into our feminine are in this course. I made this course to be able to reach people who did not have or cannot currently create the opportunity to work with me on one-on-one. So this course is a great way to have the sisterhood Facebook community aspect also having these tools and lessons that you can take your own pace at doing. There is no rush. You have lifetime access. It is, um, I've received only very positive feedback from everyone that went through this course. And I would love to have you join us for the next launch. It's going to be, again, the doors will be opening October 24th. That will be for um, just a few days of the early bird, 1250. And then October 29th, the regular price begins, 1500. And then Doors will close November 3rd and we begin November 4th and we start immediately off of practices going into our animalistic archetypes and nature archetypes and there are also two Facebook lives or oh, Zoom lives actually I think I'm changing it to Zoom lives that I will include so um, anyone in the course will be able to hop on on Zoom and ask me questions this is like a personal coaching call. Um, and we'll go through an embodiment practice together live. This this course, I'm telling you, it only launches like twice a year. So if you're interested, let me know if you have any questions. Otherwise, go to maddiemoon.com forward slash feminine dash spirit to sign on up. And you'll be in it too with it. The other thing I wanted to announce that November 15th to 17th, myself and director, actor, producer, vocal coach, Jamie Woolrab, we will be teaching a weekend retreat here in New York City, all about going into our shadow uh, with embodiment and with storytelling. So it's, it's going to be deep work. I've talked about it on almost every single podcast. Um, I will include a link in the show notes to this, to a very specific podcast I did with Jamie Woolrab, all about embodying archetypes and our shadows. So if you're curious, just go listen to that. Go to the show notes for this, maddiemoon.com forward slash Amir Kaliki. And you'll be able to see that link on there that takes you to the other podcast with Jamie so you can hear all about it. And Amir and Jamie, as you'll hear on the podcast, they're friends. They're tight. So if you like what Amir is all about, you probably like what Jamie's all about and what I'm all about. So we're all in the same beautiful circle of trying to create a union between the feminine and masculine within ourselves and within each other and also learn to work with the shadows, which you will hear about in this episode two. Just love this divine webbing of all the different circles and worlds and messages and topics. Everything you need to know will be on the show notes for this. Let's go head on over to this epic podcast with Amir Kaligi.
Amir, one of the reasons why I booked you on this date to talk to you now is because I just got back from my fifth event with John and Kendra, the um, Art of Fearless Intimacy, and I knew that I was going to be feeling like, like, oh, where did the embodied masculine go? Like I'm, I'm, I'm like drowning in my feminine all of a sudden again. And while it's so good, I also want to be like in the presence of someone who's doing this work and I miss it. I miss it. I miss it. So when we decided to do this podcast, I was like, I'm going to do it right after that event because it'll feel really good to be able to drop in with someone who has some deep breath and can just be with me. Yeah. Mm. So, well, thank you. And consider yourself held so you can go ahead and express, express what needs to come. Oh, I'm just going to like, I'm just going to rewind that over and over. Consider yourself held. You're held. Oh, it's so, so good. So welcome mm. to the podcast. It is so thank good you. to have you here. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. So as you know, we have our first question. And the first question that I'm going to ask you, and this can be about anything in particular in life, whether it's the masculine or, you know, trees or something else, but what are you currently musing about in life? What has you captivated? Um, I'm going to say, you know, right now I'm really, um, I'm really uh, in touch with the importance of, uh, of nature and um, how kind of unconscious and disconnected uh, uh, most men are from her. And um, so for me, it's just been a continuous um, exploration of finding ways to um, work with men to get them in touch with that natural resource of energy. So um, if you, you know, um, if you look, if you follow my Instagram, I'm constantly um, putting up images of, you know, either nature or cosmic connection. And um, so that's where I'm at. Uh, that's, that's my latest musing. I find, like, I find it really interesting. I'm just now thinking of this, of how the feminine is nature in so many different forms of the wildness of the jungle or the storm, the tsunami, the, the ease of a breeze. It's just this energy. But yet it's such an overlap for the feminine and the masculine because um, that, like, when I think of, of men in nature, I'm like, well, yeah, that's where men go to find peace so often. And, and I'm gendering here a little bit. That's to be expected on this podcast. Like it just happens. But what I really mean is the energy, right? And you know this. But do you find that that's, because it's one of those things that's incredibly healing and, and everything I've read for the masculine to be able to go away into a forest and to spend time alone. What do you find that the masculine gains from being able to be in that kind of solitude surrounded by Mother Earth? The truth. So the masculine, um, the masculine is under the guise that if he was to simply complete another task, he would feel what it would feel like to actually be connected to nature. So he's on this quest of constantly hitting another check mark off his list of things he has to do to get to where he thinks he needs to go to. And then he feels incredibly depleted and all he wants is his burdens to go away. And his burdens become his list of items. 
uh, what, whatever they may be. Um, it could be, um, you know, the list of things he has to do to, to get somewhere in his business, uh, how, um, you know, it, it could simply be, you know, his inability to um, be with his woman, you know, because he starts interpreting her feminine expression as something he needs to deal with. So these are all um, these are all uh, pointers to the fact that he is actually malnutrition um, with his um, connection to the great mother, nature, whatever we want to call her. And so, um, it and then it and then it becomes about guiding him to the reality that the truth is that you're what you're missing is that uh, um, nutrition from her with a capital H. So um, most men uh, or most teachers or more, most spiritual uh, teachers, they really, in order to give what they are there to give, they must reconnect to source in order to get the download of what it is that they're here to do. And even in, you know, you'll, you'll hear in, even I'm not a big religious person, but you know, Jesus would have these um, gatherings, way too many people would come, he would get all this like overwhelm and he'd be like, I'm out. He would just leave. He would just like venture off into the forest and like you wouldn't see him for quite a while. And he would do that quite often, like, you know. So um, it's, it's, uh, it's paramount. If you're in the business of spiritual um, evolution or teaching of any sort, you have to be in touch with her, um, the capital H, her. Yeah. Mm. You wrote an article recently on this. You wrote um, an article on the Amazon fires, which still feels so, I mean, that, that wave of recognition just for the fires, it just felt like it was a week of just great, finally, right? Because it took a while to get coverage, but it was a week of coverage and then gone. And we're not yeah. talking about it again. So let's like let's talk about that. Um, can you share yeah. a bit on that article that you wrote for um, which publication was it? Elephant Journal. Yeah, it, it was. It was the. Uh, it was an article I wrote for Elephant Journal, and um, the premise is that the uh, masculine um, throughout millennia, when faced with his counterpart the feminine, and let's just go gender, when men, uh, for now, uh, faced with women or the feminine, have had a problem. The, the biggest problem is that you're looking at some your counterpart that has this miraculous ability to embody and reflect uh, the miracle of life through her body. And, and men, are faced with two options uh, when looking at her. Uh, one is awe, like an absolute awe of the beauty and the power and the creative um, life force that emanates, right? And literally children come out of women. Um, so one is awe and the other is fear, right? Burn the witch at the stake, right? Put a burqa on her. Um, gen genital mutilation. Um, 
on and on, right? So these are all indicative of the suppression of the feminine. So throughout this um, piece of history, uh, men have not been able to stand in the presence of the full feminine in awe. And um, the way I tied that to the Amazon fires was that, um, you know, the disconnect to nature and the values of power and materialism and what we coin as toxic masculinity um, allow for the burning of the lungs of the earth um, while, while we stand there and reflect back to the devastation and so little attention goes to that. You know, and so what men like me and other uh, teachers that work with the masculine, we're, we're simply trying to wake men up to a new way of being connected to her in awe instead of um, resorting to the only uh, kind of resource we have, which is domination, which is really a shadow form of one of the archetypes that the masculine embodies. Oh, Yeah. That's why this work has been so profoundly healing for me. I have felt generations like in moments that I've been doing this kind of work in person and these live events where I've really just felt like um, pain summon up from the lack of awe for, for my own life, but also it's bigger than that. It's felt wider than that. And that's the same extent of the healing I've experienced when I really felt held and how much I love being held and how it's like, oh my gosh, it's just, it's a drug to be held by someone who is in awe of you and not afraid of you and can still hold you. And in fact says, bring it, like bring it on. And I love that you made this correlation with the fires. And it's also really quite fascinating that nature is the place the masculine goes to finally feel free of burden and they're destroying it. So it's like this, our, our planet is saying, we will never be free of burden. We're destroying the place where we could be free of burden because we're going to keep whatever, you know, X, Y, Z, making money, having parties, um, living the way that we live, whatever it may be, fill in the blank. But yeah, it's just like the feminine creates birth. This is creating more death. So it's, yeah, yeah. yeah. Disconnect and destruction, right? Disconnect. And, um, you know, I hold a vision of, of, of men um, standing next to women, the masculine and the feminine, and um, uh, leading uh, a world where we don't value things like uh, power, prestige, and money. Uh, and we value um, family and nurturing and uh, connection to to the earth, right? And so, and we look at uh, we look at uh, people that are still living off the land, right? And and they are somehow looked at as primitive, but uh, in reality, they're like the last bastion of the. They're the front line. Uh, of, of people that are still connected to her, that um, draw wisdom from her, that uh, learn from 
the animals still. And this is not ethereal. This is not like, you know, this is true, like wisdom that is either going to like be lost or we fight for it and we reclaim it. Right. Hmm. And so um, I'm in the business of, of fighting for her. Mm-hmm. Goosebumps. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. So one thing I really wanted to talk with you about was the four archetypes of the masculine and their shadows. Mm-hmm. We've never talked about that on the podcast before. And I have a good size of ma- primarily masculine followers and it's about time we dive deep into this. So I would love to hear these from you and what their shadows sure. are as well. Yeah. So, um, there are four masculine archetypes as outlined by um, Doug Gillette and Robert Moore, who were Jungian um, uh, uh, by uh, training. And they uh, break them down into um, the king, the warrior, the magician, and the lover. And an archetype is a seedling that runs through the fabric of the masculine. So it's not something that can be thought away or ignored. As a matter of fact, when you ignore the expression of um, an archetype, what you're actually doing is pushing it into its shadows. So um, when the warrior, magician, and lover are in full uh, expression in service to purpose or to the king, they give rise to the king archetype, the divine king. Uh, the divine king is connected to her, right? Or purpose. Some would say purpose. And purpose is just the message that you get from her about what you're here to do on this planet. So when you're in, when you're in line with purpose, when you're connected to her, and the other three archetypes are in their full expression, you give rise to the divine king, which basically is anyone who is having regenerative power in their domain. So the king uh, that is in his bloom, you can see things around him are blooming, literally. Like the workshops are getting bigger and the, and the flowers are growing and people are coming and the people are fed spiritually. Now that could be with a teacher, it could be within your family, it could be within your organization. And it's really, a, it's kind of like a bl- spiritual blessing that's, that's upon you. And the, and the divine king brings order out of chaos. So when this blessing may not be upon you and you want it to be upon you because for, some, for, for whatever reason, let's say you're not connected to her, let's say you're not receiving the downloads, um, what happens is you start, men will start pretending to be the king. And when the blessing is not upon you, you start, when you pretend to be the king, you're actually in, you're moving into shadow. And the two, um, each archetype has a uh, active and, a, and a, has, has two bipolar uh, shadows. So on one hand, the king that goes into uh, his shadow could become the tyrant. So when the blessing is not on him, he will force you to do what he wants you to do, right? He becomes, um, he becomes the Nero to the Jesus, right? He becomes anyone who kind of runs 
a government or a household or an organization by force. We don't have to look too far to see that reflected in our own government. And then on the other side of the spectrum, the shadow of the king is the weakling. He has lost his voice. He is um, self-castrated in his own home. And, um, and that's, for, that's for the other side of the, the um, archetype of the king. Then you have the warrior, which is the part of the masculine that cuts through the bullshit, gets shit done, uh, protects the boundaries, knows its perimeter, knows where, the, where his boundaries and his service are to be um, dedicated. And he, if in service to the king, if he has a higher purpose than himself, then he becomes an incredible tool to the king to get shit done, to move through, to take care of business. When he's not tethered to the king, he becomes self-serving and he moves into his shadows, the masochist or um, the sadist. Then you have the magician, right? The hand of the king. Uh, the magician um, is the alchemist that decides what needs to happen in any situation, informs the king of which direction we should move into. And in his shadow forms, he becomes manipulator and self-serving. He uses his knowledge for his own gain, or in the polar opposite, he becomes the innocent one, which is um, he just takes no responsibility for anything. Then we have the lover. The lover in his bloom is fully connected, right? Fully connected, he's the artist, he's the expression. He um, knows that we are all one. He brings the humanity to the other archetypes. And in his one shadow, he is the addict. He just can't get enough and he can't break the cycle. And um, on the other polar opposite, he becomes um, impotent in his love, he becomes anorexic. That's a lot of information about the archetypes, right? But uh, that's kind of like basically every man has these uh, fibers uh, of essences within him. They can either be fully expressed which give rise to the king, service to a higher calling, or they go into shadows. For today's show sponsor, we are bringing in a, a sponsor that, quite frankly, we need in our world in order to survive. We don't need the sponsor in general, but what they're doing, we do need. And that is clean air. We need clean air to survive. One time I was getting my hair washed, and this was probably about five years ago, and I didn't want to pay like $50 for the really nice shampoo because I was like, well, why would I do that when I can pay $5 for the over-the-counter shampoo? And I remember my hairdresser um, say to me that your hair is something you wear every single day. It's that important. You'll spend a lot of money on a dress, but you won't spend something on, uh, you won't spend more money and invest more money in your hair quality. And that stuck with me for multiple things in my life. I think about that when it comes to the water that I drink and how pure it is. I think about it with the food that I eat and the, the high quality. Is it organic? Is it feeding my body well? Because anything to do with my body, it's something that I wear every day. My body is. And when it comes to air, like air is the thing that we rely on ourselves. Like our everything from our skin to how our heart is beating to how our 
our eyes are seeing the world, if we're seeing the world through dry eyes or we're feeling nourished and our skin feels too dry or too oily or what are we breathing in? What's going into our lungs? The lungs, the place that holds so much of our life and our well-being. And so today's show sponsor is an air purifier and it's something that I really believe. It's an investment. It's not only an investment in the space of your apartment, but it's an investment in how you show up in the world because that is the mo- one of the most precious gifts we have is, is breath. Without it, we will not live. So why not invest in your body and the air that you breathe because it affects everything else in your life. So a few little bullets about Molecule that I want to mention today. Molecule's technology has been personally effective and verified by science. But most importantly, it's been tested by real people and Molecule has given allergy and asthma sufferers around the country an all new experience that's healthier and more enjoyable and and free from a lot of the day-to-day frustrations they experience with their asthma and allergies. The Molecule Air Purifier, it's an air purifier for the whole home. Molecule offers a breakthrough PECO, P-E-C-O, technology across all of their products, and it provides a solution for the entire home when it comes to air purification. So whether you need it for a large room, like a living room, or you need it for a smaller room, like maybe you live in a New York apartment, you can choose the size that is best for you, and you can create a bundle to provide air purification purification for the entire home. Few more points that I want to mention. Why would someone choose Molecule? Well, global air pollution is worsening at an ever-increasing rate. Over 80% of people living in urban areas that monitor air pollution are exposed to air quality below World Health Organization standards. Worst news is that indoor air can be up to five times worse than outdoor air, according to the EPA, and most of us spend around 90% of our time indoors. When I was living in Denver, the air quality was getting really, really, really bad. And it's actually better in New York than it was even in Colorado, which is very surprising. But again, I live like very near this, um, it's not a trash dump, but it kind of feels like that. It's just like this little courtyard people throw trash into. And I know I'm breathing that in and I don't want to be breathing that in. And, And the plants that I have sometimes just don't feel like enough. So with molecules air purification technology you can expect that your allergy season is going to be a lot less harmful especially around right now i always get a little bit more allergies and something to note is that pollen isn't the only problem even though a lot of people think that it is it's actually the tiny proteins that break off of pollen that are responsible for seasonal allergies and even though they are less visible these allergens can cause huge problems and can pass right through traditional hepa air purifiers which by the way have not been updated in 70 years hpa filters were invented back in world war ii and they've stayed basically the same ever since. Molecule has created a new inf- a new filtration system that doesn't just collect pollutants on antiquated filters, but destroys them on a molecular level. So that's what's really important to me. I don't have asthma, but I do have allergies and my skin can get dry and my, air- my eyes can get very dry. So I'm all about it. And one of the other most important things, okay, if we're being real, is that they don't look like traditional air purifiers. They're beautiful. You can think of them as the apple of air purifiers. And not only is the technology inside revolutionary, but the units themselves look sleek and modern. 
So with all of that said, if you are not sold on it, oh my gosh, come on. Your, your air, it's something that you, you take in every single day, every moment of your life. Why not make sure it's the most pure that it can possibly be? So to get 10% off your first order, and as a thank you for being a listener of the Mind Body Musings podcast, you can go to Molecule.com, that is M-O-L-E-K-U-L-E.com, and enter Maddie Moon, all one word, all caps, at checkout. Again, that's 10% off your first air purifier order at Molecule, with a K, dot com, and enter Maddie Moon, all one word, all caps, at checkout would love to hear your thoughts. I would love to see a photo of it if you want to post it on the gram and tag me and tag Molecule and we'll be like, yay, high fives for clean air all around. Good for our bodies, good for our families, good for our plants because we're giving it back to them. And yeah, I hope you enjoyed this exciting little tidbit and lesson in HEPAs. <laughs> dating back to World War II. I did not think I'd be teaching history today, but I am. And now it's time to go back to the podcast and hear what Amir has to say about these delicious four masculine archetypes. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. That's a yeah. lot, right? It's a well, lot. I took notes. I took notes. Um, the, the first thing that's popping out on me, out to me is the lover artist. And mm-hmm. I'm going to try to formulate this question in a way that would will sound good when I play it back and listen to it later. Um, okay. It feels like there are a lot of, I will say, men out there who are a part of the spiritual realm and world who are full of love and the love, the light, the ecstatic dance, the cuddle parties, the acro yoga, very familiar with this world. And I've spent a lot of time with people in this world. And... I wonder if, I'll say it this way, it feels to me like a lot of these people who are wearing these big like uh, obsidian stones on their neck and jeweled with their crystals, like that to me is is repelling. I'll just say it very honest. That to me is pretty repelling. I want to go the other way, the other direction when I when I am in the presence of someone that's highly in this archetype, I don't know. I don't think that would be considered a shadow. Uh, it sounds to me like that would more be lacking the other archetypes, like really only just that one flavor. Yeah. Right. So um, that's, they're really strong, let's say in, in their expression of the lover archetype and they just, that's, that's where they live. And what you may be attracted to or what you may be calling in for your life. I mean, somebody may be calling in that lover, right? It's all they want. They just want, give me the lover arc. Like, that's my flavor. Give me that. And he's, that's where he's at. And that's where he's living, right? You may be calling in the king. So you may be like, that's awesome. But I'd like a guy, right? Who knows who he is, who is tethered to why, why he's here. He knows when to say no to me. <laughs> he knows uh, mm-hmm. with, right, with love, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he takes care of business because his warrior is activated. He, I can trust his intuition, right? So I can relax into his magician archetype. The king, when he, the king already embodies all those. They're already living within him as an expression in everything he does and everything he sees and everything he moves. 
So your attraction may be to maybe you've maybe you've seen enough of that and now you're like well, that's not where that's not where what you're calling so where you're at and what work you're doing is going to call in exactly your match and i have a feeling uh you're probably looking for the king or maybe oh. you already have a king or i i don't really know you're you know I love that you said that because that's something that I talk about all the time, especially like even on dates, I will say things just like, I am a queen looking for the king. Um, That feels, that feels super solid in my body. Yes, yes, yes. Even at one point though, it was the lover artist that I was looking for. Sorry if you heard those sirens. Um, It was probably about two years ago. Sorry, sirens are getting very loud. Um, it was probably about two years ago. I was dating these two very different men, and this was a moment of clarity to me. I was speaking with another man of this work about these two different types. One very, very sweet, kind, made me dinner, uh, picked me up from the airport when I arrived home from a place. Already had like he had car- a card for me that he handmade and made food for me, so I didn't have to do that. It was just the sweetest things, like things. You tell another girlfriend and they're like, oh, I want that. But something was missing. I couldn't, I couldn't feel into it at the time what that ingredient was while everything on paper was a solid yes. There was a certain trustability or safety or the discipline aspect, knowing that this person would be disciplined or even disciplined with our relationship, knowing when something's truly a yes or when it's actually a no, even if I'm begging for something. I didn't have that trustability with him. Then there was another person I was with who was all of the spontaneity, fire, Sagittarius type energy, just here, there, everywhere, rough and tough in certain ways. But the edges were harsh and it didn't feel like I could really open up and drop deep with him about my heart or express my tsunami or my river of tears, whatever came up for me. And the person I was explaining this to said something along the lines of sounds to me like guy number one wouldn't know how to pin down your wrists and guy number two wouldn't know how to pick you back up or something like that. It was really like, wow, yes, that's exactly what it is. I want the wrists pinned and I also want to be helped back up. And yeah, that's, that, that was just a moment of clarity to me and looking at these archetypes, it feels really like, true that it is all four of these that I think myself, I desire. I'll just say I desire that. Um, My question for you around this is for someone who also wants a king, what are some of the things that they may need to know about being with a man who is so directed by purpose and may need solitude and space? What are some things that they can expect? Well, they can expect that you're not going to be, you know, like you're not going to be, you're not it. I mean, you are the queen, right? And you, you, and he'll hold that for you, but his, um, and he'll be completely available to you a hundred percent when, when you guys are together, but know that, um, you know, he's on purpose. He's, he, and, you know, and as the queen, you will already know that. And the only time that, you know, you'll have a problem with it is maybe, you know, that you're not ready to be with a king. 
right? So uh, a, a man that is on purpose is going to be, you know, invested fully into uh, what he needs to do. And his, and so my, I'll just tell you, my wife is incredibly, my wife is the queen of hearts. I mean, um, we've had, uh, you know, I, I can just talk about her and our relationship for the, for the rest of this time. But what I can say is that she uh, knows what, what um, serves my soul. And that is to serve out my purpose and is incredibly um, hands-free in that space with me, right? She's supportive and um, not needy, you know? Um, so it, I, I just, you know, I couldn't be with someone who uh, was dependent on me in that way, uh, where I'm at today in my life. So if, you're, if your personality is where you're at in your life, you're like totally dependent on, your sense of well-being comes from the relationship. And there's nothing wrong with it. I've been there in my, you know, I'm, you know, going to be 49 in a couple of days. And I, you know, in my life, I have been there. I've, I've been dependent. I've had to work to unwind myself and become more independent and then ultimately interdependent, right? Um, so expect, expect to be with someone that is a full grown human being on purpose as the queen is, right? As the queen is. And um, things like dependence and like uh, certain kinds of like elongated enmeshments, they just don't work in that dynamic anymore. You know, um, there's certain healthy, uh, there's certain unhealthy dynamics that just don't work in that king queen um, uh, relationship so uh, I'm not sure did I answer that question yes that yes long-winded answer I want to go deeper into the actual things that she does though that nurture you mm -hmm. I want to can you give us an inside look on let's say sure. you're on purpose you have something coming up maybe it's an event and you're focused what are some of the ways that she as the queen of hearts nurtures that for you um, even if she misses you. Yeah. So, I mean, it's really like the little things, you know, like I, let's say I'm away like on a four or five day event and I come home late at night, you know, um, you know, there's a candle waiting for me, you know, there's like, you know, when I, to greet me, even though she's sleeping, you know, she, um, she nourishes me that way. Um, we, um, we create um, time to have, to have, we have uh, three kids at home, four kids all together, from a 21 year old to a two year old and two in between. So um, we, our life gets really busy, right? And, you know, I'm doing this, she's got, she's, but we make sure we, we take time to cultivate our garden. We have a garden. And the garden is, is, is where her, right? It's like our version of, of being able to dive into our sacred relationship. So we make sure that um, we keep that space really clean, you know? Um, and like, it's not one thing that she does. It's, it's who she is, right? It's, it's the work that she's done up to this point. Um, 
you know, and the work that I did to get to, to for us to meet, you know, we met um, about four, we met four years ago, right? She came from a, a divorce. I came from a divorce, both had children. And it, it all comes down to, it's all reflective on the work that you're doing in your life on who your reflected partner is going to be. So, you know, for me, it was, you know, for me, it was like, okay, I just, you know, I'm about getting to the point of knowing what I'm here to do, you know, and I just met a woman who believes and supports that. It doesn't, you know, she doesn't like, she doesn't nag me if I'm like on purpose or, you know, and, and there's, there's also the ability she knows she has the ability to express herself freely with me, right? Um, in her, in, in any kind of entanglements we have, right? So she, she gets, she knows she has free range. And um, we have this dance that we, we, that we have together that is supportive um, with, with what I do and with what she does. Um, are we off topic? I have a feeling we're just kind of possibly drifting to the left. You, it's your job to bring us back. You're holding the masculine. I uh, am like, holding the masculine. I am held as I hold the masculine. I like drifting. I like listening to, I like listening to relationship things. Um, okay, so then we can go into another question I have around the warrior. Yeah. You had said that when the warrior goes into shadow, it is sadistic. And yeah. how does that show up in in like relationship how does this what i want i'll take i'll I'll take Mm. what i want and i don't give a shit about you i'll i'll show you one side of me and then i'll go do whatever i want on the other side right um i'll hurt you i'll hurt myself there is no there is there is not a higher calling when when the warrior is in his in his shadow when he pins you down you feel threatened Mm. when he pins you down you want to get out because he is not his heart is not with you right nobody wants nobody wants that right that's that's abuse that's take it even further that's rape right so um but there's nothing like you know when the warrior is tethered to the king or the purpose, his heart is open. The lover has infiltrated, you know, the warrior as well, and he's connected to you, so you trust him. And if your man is in integrity, you know, and he brings that flavor for you, young, right? Yeah. But if he's, yeah. right? But, but if he's not, you energetically immediately know, right? Like two people can pin your two people can pin you down, and you know exactly like it's the same movement. It's energetic is the only thing that's different. He's his his heart is either open and with me, and is serving me. He's either serving you or he's serving himself. Mm. What about that lukewarm in between space? I'm thinking about an average Joe who's into maybe not quite on the sadistic realm, which yeah. is truly in the shadow and, and definitely not 
all the way into the pure version of the warrior, but someone who's like, I'm just lollygagging around in life. And I like to like play, I like to be rough. Like this is fun. This is good. And not disconnected from their heart completely, but just like in this like lukewarm space. I asked this question because I feel it's pretty common in, yeah. in our like half in half out society where it's mm-hmm. your average Joe that a lot of, a lot of women that I speak to meet on dating apps or are going out on dates with, and they're probably lukewarm on all of these things. There's a lot mm-hmm. of like lukewarm characters out there. Mm-hmm. Is there, and if there is, is there a way that you would encourage heart connected feminine beings to call that person into a deeper place with their energy or get the fuck out? Mm-hmm. Well, that's, you know, that's, uh, it's really up to each person to decide how much they want to tolerate being in a relationship that's not in alignment 100% with them, right? There's a lot of people that go into relationship that are like trying to make the other person get to a certain place because they like certain aspects of the person, um, but not the whole package. And then you see like, you know, years go by. So I can't really answer that. Like it's such an individual um, thing, right? I mean, you could be in a relationship that's not serving you a hundred percent. And then, you know, you could have a kid and it just, it's like the, the formula, the situation gets really harder to, to navigate, but mm. I'm an advocate of being with your highest, uh, uh, being with someone who is a match for you energetically, spiritually, emotionally, physically, sexually, cosmically. And I think, you know, I think uh, life's too short to sell yourself short for anything less than a queen or a king. Mm-hmm. Now, you could be on, you, not every, it's like, you know, I'm, I'm not, you know, everyone is in different places and you're going to call in where, where you're at along the way. And some relationships grow together and some relationships, you know, don't. They just, you know, yeah. they drift apart. Yeah. In in the the work that I've done, I've I've focused a lot on how to summon. I ask that question because that's really one of the things I've been learning to do as a feminine being is how to summon that. It's another word that I'm looking for, but I can't think of it right now. It starts in the E, but how to summon that within the partner that I'm with by me going deeper into my, you know, my queen or my mm-hmm. oracle and revealing with my heart and with my tears and with maybe creating actual art like a dance or poetry or some sort of theater, how mm-hmm. desperately I want you to show the fuck up and not mm-hmm. and doing it heart connected because like you were saying earlier, if it's not connected to the heart, it is abuse. And so yeah. I, I think that's there, of course, like what you're saying, there's always a, a place where you just have to decide like, is this person, is this person the person I want to be spending my time creating art to reveal to? Yeah. Or are they not? And if they are and they're not changing the way you want and you continue to keep showing up, you also have to own that whole experience and not resent them secretly for them not showing up as the full warrior right. that you are. They are because you yeah. already knew that, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So that's been, that's been a really, really uh, helpful tool for me is learning how mm-hmm. to just simply reveal how much I want you to show up as a king or how much I want you to show up as a lover. And then mm-hmm. after you do this practice day after day after day, you realize or you decide if it's no longer for you. Yeah. Well, I think um, this is, that's really great. And I think there's, 
there's place for that, right? So I think the word you're looking for is invoke. Yes, evoke. Yes, invoke. thank you. So yeah, um, and I think I think it's beautiful to gift a man. You know, like a lot of men, I work with men that, you know, they are afraid of a lot of their energies that run through their bodies. And, you know, if you know how, let's say in your women's work, you know how to be with, let's see, let's say sexy, dark energy and like, you know, like, you know, tethered, uh, let's say to, you know, to the heart and open, but like you like the, the dark kind of sexy energy, you know, and he doesn't know how to bring that, but you've been to like a weekend workshop and you're like, um, that's yummy. I want some of that. I'm going to go and like bring that to my guy or I'm going to try to bring that out of him. How, that's such a beautiful, beautiful thing to, to explore together. Right. And if you, but you know, if you, you know, if you're constantly going back and it's like, you're not being met, then it's, that's something different. But mm -hmm. Yeah. That, that inevitably leads to some flavor of resentment and feeling disempowered. And that's probably for another podcast, but um, I do think that's a really juicy place for people to start when they're wanting to, you know, feel more of these different archetypes. So one of my last things that I wanted to ask you about was you're an actor, right? I was. I, I mean, you, you know were. what? I, I am, was. It's hard to like, like, I mean, I kind of let go of that. I, um, I was a, a theater actor for um, quite some time and that. Uh, Ten, well, not quite, about 10 years plus. So, but yes, did you have, did you have a question about that? Yeah, yeah I have all the questions about there. that. <laughs> you're so, you're like blushing. I love this. I, I should know, have asked this earlier. Um, yes, I am just was so excited. You do so many things. I mean, you're, you have the beloved poetry website and you're like doing poetry and then you've acted and you're doing this men's work. And I wanted to ask you what the similarities to you between embodiment work and acting work are and how they have fed into great each question. other. What a great question. So, um, well, with acting, I mean, it's, you know, it's, uh, it, it, you're telling the truth under imaginary circumstances. So um, with embodiment work, you're telling the truth, you know, as well. With the with the full expression of your body or being, um, it served me tremendously. I mean, I, I was a stage actor, you know, and um, you know, being in front of people and kind of, you know, I love being in front of people and and I enjoy the connection that goes back and forth. So, it served my men's work. Um, you know, I don't, you know, I I, I enjoy that aspect of it. Um, you know, creativity runs through you. You're, you're a vessel. Uh, if, if you know, as a trained as a trained theater actor, you're really um, creating the container, right? But the the work, the learning the lines is the container, right? Um, and the blocking of the um, scene is the container, right? All everything else that goes, and then once you go up the creative energy flows through and you're expressing your truth through the words, through the movement. And with embodiment work, um, you know, we do the same thing. We strengthen the container 
of, uh, of our masculine bodies. And I, I work only with men. And we, um, in order to allow the feminine energy to have a place to enter, mm. to express itself. So whether that's inspiration from the divine or whether that is having the capacity to hold feminine energy of our, you know, beloved loved ones, whatnot. So I guess there's, I mean, everything I've done in my life has served me to this point. And, you know, like the, you know, belovedpoetry.com, I, I created some years ago out of, just out of deep pain, you know, grieving and pain. I had nowhere to put it. Um, and I started rendering my feelings into poetry of uh, Sufi masters. And so I started rendering their poetry of Rumi and Hafez and then Neruda. And, you know, it became a healing agent for me. But in a, in a way, it also fed my lover archetype. You know, I got drenched in with the pain of grieving, allowing that to just saturate every fiber of my being. You know, to break, you know, as Rumi says, you know, you keep breaking and breaking, breaking, breaking your heart until it breaks open. And um, so it serves, everything serves uh, our journey forward. You know, everything, uh, if looked at from the right perspective, has been leading you to this moment. And this moment is like what we have, right? And, um, so, you know, I do get shy about it. I don't know why I get shy about it. Uh, but I, I love that part of my life. And, um, you know, who knows? Maybe I'll come out of retirement. Yeah, I was, oh, I was curious. Why did you stop? I wanted to dedicate uh, all my energy to men's work. I've been working with men for 20, 25 years um, wow. Uh, wow. plus, but um, not purposefully. Like I would do it. You know, oh, you know, I, I've been working with men on the side here while I, you know, had, you know, I, I, I also have a web design company, you know, that I, I was running, but it was always on the side. And it wasn't until last year, actually, uh, at a, um, at a retreat, at a John Wineland retreat, he asked me to come teach something um, for the four days, four or five days that we were there. And then gave me an invitation to also participate. And, you know, I didn't think much of it. And I said, sure, I kind of uh, said yes to it. And then, you know, it was during that uh, Mojave Desert Panamint uh, uh, Valley experience that I had with those men that it became crystal clear to me that it, it, it was like now time to just, you know, go all in. Full, you know, full speed ahead. And so that's what I've been doing. You know, I, I and then I created embodiedmasculine.com and um, started men's group, you know, started, you know, putting together workshops, and, you know, doing one-on-one -on -one coaching, six, you know, different programs. So now I'm just, now I'm just invigorated and hundred percent. So that's why I am in um, current retirement. Okay. All right. Noted. I have only recently started getting into acting. And so when I saw that you, oh, yeah, really, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I love, I love say how you more. light up when I talk, when I even say acting, you, you look, you're just like, so, so cute. I love it. Yeah. I, love it, it. I, I started the opposite way doing embodiment work and I met Jamie who I believe 
you are in. I know very well. Yeah. yeah, very well. So me and Jamie are actually hosting a retreat together called the Embodied Archetype, and we're combining the world of embodiment with acting technically. I mean, it's not, these are all people that are not of the acting world that are coming. So it's going to be more like storytelling and going into the shadow. So it's all about Mm. going into our shadows with storytelling. But yeah, I like, I started since I moved to New York and got my headshots. I've been in a student film, a short film, a dating reality show, a documentary, like boom, boom, boom. I could just been going so intensely. And I think I might actually go to, um, William Esper, which is a really great acting school here in New York. Mm. Um, mm. Still like, I'm really leaning into that because that is a big mm. thing. And, and I don't know how that's going to affect my, my embodiment work. So I want to like really slow down before I make any calls on anything, but mm. it's just, it feeds each other. That's really what mm. I've, I'm, I, I feel in my body is that when I do the acting work, I'm actually doing the embodiment work and vice mm-hmm. versa. So mm-hmm it's, it's a beautiful practice and it's kind of sort mm. of addicting. Like even the thrill of just like, you've got an audition request. I'm like, yes. Mm. And now yeah. just to learn how to memorize lines. That is so mm. hard for me. Like, oh yeah. It's, it's so a muscle. Hard. Yeah. It's a muscle. Yeah. I, I think the first play I did was like, I had two lines and I was like, Oh my, yeah, it was just like even the two lines and the, like all that was and then, you know, then years down the line, it's like, you know, I, I've done, stuff where you, you know like like I'm on stage talking the whole time like so like yeah but wow. you know what it's a muscle so just be patient with yourself I'm so excited for you that's awesome I don't know why I get excited when people say like they want to get into because it's such a rewarding um rewarding uh, experience I, I think for me it was yeah yeah I when I've ta- told people so far they always light up like you you have been and it's just really beautiful it like excites me because I'm like there's there's some some jewels within this I, I'm only reaching like the surface of it right now and I know the deeper I go and the more committed I am because this is something that will take devotion yes it definitely takes devotion um then mm-hmm. the more I'll experience that too so Last thing before we go into the quick fire round, can you let everyone know where they can find you online? Oh, sure. So, um, embodiedmasculine.com um, is uh, is the website for the men's work that I do and the purpose that I carry. Um, if you want to follow me on uh, Instagram, it's my last name at Kaligi, K H A L I G H I. And if you want to dive into some Sufi poetry, you can check out belovedpoetry.com. Beautiful. And I'll have all those links on the show notes as always. Okay. This is the divine deep dive round. Mm. Um, what's your favorite memorized poem? It's just particularly for you. Favorite memorized poem. Um, Hoffa, even just a stanza. Yeah. Give us a stanza. Oh no no! Don't put me on the spot. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna render it today. But I'll tell you what. No. Please. No, I can't do it. No, no. I, I'm. I, I'm not in that space um, to to do that. But um, uh, Hafez's poem. Uh, there's a couple that I like that come to mind. So one is um, "Leave the Familiar for a While" by Hafez. Um, um, and um, David White has a poem called Winter Apple that, that my wife and I kind of um, initiated us on our path. And I love that one. 
Everything David White. Everything David White. Oh, I just love him so much. Okay. Favorite indulgence at the moment? Favorite indulgence? Um, just um, little – so my wife and I have committed to, like, these little getaways that, you know, we do every three months where it's just we're not parents and we're just kind of Bedouin lovers uh, escaping kind of into God knows where. And so we, so, uh, we're committed to having one of these every three to four months. And um, we have one coming up tomorrow. So that's – I'm really excited to get away with – we're going up to Big Sur. So to just disconnect and be in, be in nature together. So that's my – that's our latest and my latest indulgence, yeah. Oh, mm, yes. Most profound mentor to you. Oh, come on. Seriously? Wow. Okay. Um, a, a profound mentor. A profound. Well, um, I, I've been really incredibly influenced by Rumi. So, you know, he lived, I know it's like, you know, uh, I don't know, whatever. It's, uh, you know, 800 years ago, but I kind of dove into him for a few years nonstop and, and he has most influenced me. Um, ask me tomorrow, I may have a different answer, but today it's going to be Rumi. That's why A is typically a better way to ask those questions than most, most profound April. What is the best investment you've made under $10,000 in the past year? Something that's really added a lot to your life. Um, that would be being a part of John Wyland's men's group. So it, so it goes that when we die, we are greeted by someone that means a lot to us. Um, I think we're, we're, we're supposed to be greeted by a spiritual figure of some sort and an actual person in our life. From, from what I have read in, in researched books on people who have um, short deaths and come back. So who are the two people you think will greet you when you die? Uh, and, and, can I, and, and what are they going to say? Um, oh, I, oh I, yes. I, yes, please. Yeah. Okay. So um, I would say my father uh, is, is going to meet me and he's going to say um, – He's going to say, well, well done, son. You, you broke the chain. Um, and um, mm. and uh, and then I'm going to meet Kali Ma. And she's going to open the door. And she's going to invite me in. Ugh. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Last question. Yeah. This one's, this one's fun. Three dream guests for a dinner party. It's you and three other people. Who do you pick? For, for doesn't have to be the best dinner party, but just, okay, you're having a dinner party tonight. Amazing, amazing Middle Eastern meal is, is on the menu. And who's Wait, coming? Are we- are we going like like live dead like what what's the parameters here like is for this it one end? let's do let's do live 
Let's do live. Tonight. Okay. Yeah, they have Perfect. more time to prepare. So it's tonight. So I would want um, my wife's exes and my exes at the dinner table. <laughs> oh, that's a really, really good, good dinner party. <laughs> oh God. Oh God. Oh, yes. I, I like, I like to be in, in, I like to be, I like to expand my ability to like hold presence. Yes. And that's going to be, that is going to be, um, that would be an awesome, my wife does not think so, but I think that would be fun. Hey, maybe, maybe some first dates could come out of it. Maybe you'd actually be playing Cupid. You never know. Nope. No, no, no. Okay. No, I have no idea. No, no. Oh, thank you, Amir, so much for coming on to the podcast. And like I said, all your links will be on the show notes. So everyone must go follow you on Instagram and your website where you do such beautiful writing. And I look forward to when I meet you in person because I know that'll probably happen sooner rather than later. You know, we're in the same circle. I think so. Thank you so much for giving me a platform to share um, what I do. I appreciate it.